Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. It's Thursday, October 20th. From inside the WTOP newsroom, this is the DMV Download, brought to you by the men and women of Steamfitters Local 602. Get an estimate and learn more at steamfitters-602.org. Today, an interview with Maryland Attorney General Brian Frosch, who's calling for the re-examination of the autopsies of 100 people who died while restrained in police custody. The work of the former chief medical examiner, who oversaw those autopsies, is being called into question, in part due to his testimony in the murder of George Floyd. That prompted a letter from 400 medical experts to me, saying this is wrong. Also saying we should actually go back and look at the cases that were examined. And we remember a local legend, Rusty the Red Panda, who escaped the Smithsonian National Zoo back in 2013, capturing the DMV's attention and hearts. Thanks for joining us. I'm Megan Cloherty. And I'm Luke Garrett. Imagine if years after your loved one passed away, there were questions raised about how they died. That's what's happening in Maryland, as the state's attorney general, Brian Frosch, announced that he's calling for an in-depth review of the autopsies of 100 people who were physically restrained and died in police custody. This, after a panel of experts studied the autopsies of 1,300 in-custody deaths conducted by the Office of the Maryland Medical Examiner, which was then led by Dr. David Fowler. In 2021, Fowler testified for the defense in the murder of George Floyd, where he linked Floyd's death in police custody to drug use and heart disease. So in my opinion, Mr. Floyd had a sudden cardiac arrhythmia or cardiac arrhythmia due to his atherosclerotic and hypertensive heart disease during his restraint and subdued by the police or restrained by the police. And joining us now to discuss this audit and what it means is Maryland Attorney General Brian Frosch, who's joining us on Zoom. Thank you so much for being here. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Um, tell us what prompted this audit and the call for the reinvestigation into these 100 in-custody deaths. Well, Megan, you know, Dr. Fowler, who was the chief medical examiner from Maryland, retired and testified at the trial of George Floyd on behalf of the defendant. And he said that George Floyd's death, uh, the cause of his death was undetermined. And that prompted a letter from 400 medical experts to me. Wow. Saying this is wrong. Mm. Uh, and also saying we should actually go back and look at the cases that were examined on, while Dr. Fowler was the chief medical examiner and see if there are any problems or anomalies. And so, in other words, these 400 doctors who signed this letter, you know, saw some issues with his testimony. Is this audit looking for similar issues that they heard in this testimony in these 100 cases? Is that what they're doing? Yeah, that's exactly right. So we we put together a design team, a design team for the audit that we anticipated would follow from their work. Mm. They looked at, I don't know if it was all of the cases, they looked at 1,300 cases during Dr. Fowler's uh, tenure as chief medical examiner. And they said, here are 100 that you need to do a deeper dive on. 
and the hundred are deaths in police or law enforcement custody and deaths that occurred after restraints were used. And so the next group, the audit team, will do a deep dive on each one of those 100 cases. Just making sure I'm connecting this, obviously that is how we know George Floyd died is by restraint. Is it just these 100 cases because those are the 100 cases out of the 1,300 that had to do with restraint? Or is it, okay, okay, just checking. Um, Dr. Fowler, who ran the lab from 2002 to 2019, by the way, a pretty long tenure, um, has he had any response to this review? Have you reached out to him to ask, um, you know, that he participate at all? Yeah, we've reached out to him to let him know that it was going on. Um, He's been cooperative. Uh, He has said publicly that he welcomes the review. Um, I I, I don't think he thinks that anything amiss has gone on during his tenure, but he's been very open about it. Mm. uh, I mean, each one of the hundred cases, there will be a number, at least three medical examiners or forensic pathologists who look at each case. They will make their own determinations. The review will be blinded in a number of different respects. They won't know how the medical examiner ruled. They won't know uh, the race of the victim uh, and they won't know who the law enforcement uh, folks were. Mm. So uh, it's it's going to be as neutral and as unbiased as it can be. And that was really the, the work of the design team. That was my next question is, are these um, examiners who are going to review these cases already employed by Maryland? Are they outside? And do they know Dr. Fowler? Um, they, they are not employed by Maryland now. They'll all be outside. We had... We had a difficult time. You know, the design team was made up of international experts as well as experts from the United States. And we disqualified every one of the 400 experts who signed the letter to us because, you know, they've already expressed an opinion. And so the challenge now is to find an audit team that's A, willing to do it and uh, B, qualified to do it and that's a challenge in itself because mm-hmm. this is a very narrow specialty. Mm. Lots of folks who are engaged in it are working for other states or working for other governmental entities and uh, may not want to be involved in something like this. Right. And let's say through this audit process, you know, issues are found. Dr. Fowler is no longer, you know, chief of this medical examiner office. What could happen then? What would that, what would that mean? Well, I don't want to speculate. Um, I, I'm hoping that, um, in a way, that we find everything was done absolutely correctly. And and obviously, an objective of the audit is to be fair to the law enforcement personnel, fair to the medical examiners, uh, and fair to to the victims and their families. So I I don't want to prejudge it in any Mm. way. Do we, do we know if the families of these 100 people have been alerted that their loved ones' autopsies are being reviewed? No. Uh, in fact, we're not revealing the identities of anyone to, to anyone, the identity of the uh, files that are being reviewed. And throughout this conversation, the words fairness, trust have kind of all been used. And it seems that those values are at the core of this reexamination, kind of reestablishing public trust. After you know the murder of George Floyd, I think there was a lot of doubt cast upon the criminal justice system. 
How does this audit play into that story? Well, that's that's exactly the objective of the audit. Uh, I mean, obviously, there may be individual cases in which we can bring justice to a situation where uh, there wasn't justice before. But um, the main lesson that we hope we can take from the results of the audit will be ways in which the Office of the Medical Examiner can ensure that its processes are better and fairer uh, as it goes forward. This might make some people uncomfortable to talk about, but Brian, I feel like I need to ask, you know, are we talking about exhuming bodies for any of these? Are we just looking initially at the the autopsy itself, the report, to see how the report was done? How can you know if an yeah. autopsy is done correctly without looking at the body? So, first of all, I'm not a forensic pathologist, uh, but my expectation, and it's going to be it's going to be up to the panel that we hire, but my expectation is that the norm would not be that the body is exhumed. Um, the, there are lab results that are part of the, uh, the file. There are pictures that are part of the file. Mm-hmm. Maybe questions. I mean, the questions that we're focusing on are questions of the impact of the restraint. And I would be surprised unless you found a you know, broken bone in the neck or something like that, that an autopsy that an exhumation of the body would give uh, new information. That's the kind of thing that leaps out at you in an autopsy in the first place. We're not ruling out the possibility that a team might say, hey, we need to exhume this body. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to be the norm. Well, especially because if we, if we assume they were all done before 2019, it would yep. be questionable what you could still get off of that evidence. And beyond the Derek Chauvin trial that I mentioned, you know, there have been questions about Dr. Fowler's work before. Fowler is named as a defendant in a lawsuit by a family of Anton Black, who died after being handcuffed and manhandled in 2018 in rural Greensboro, Maryland. Part of the family's wrongful death lawsuit was settled in August for $5 million and a promise by three Maryland towns to make improvements to police training. Does this case specifically play in here at all? No. I mean, it's the testimony uh, of Dr. Fowler in the trial that precipitated the review. But first of all, I mean, Dr. Fowler signed off on most of the the reports, but they were done by other folks in the office. And I'm not going to prejudge the results or, or Dr. Fowler's conduct or participation in any of the cases that went before. All I can say is we're going to take a hard, neutral, independent and fair look at them and see what turns up. Mm. So there are three experts that are going to be assigned to each case. Um, I imagine this is going to take a while. Do you know what step is the next step is in the audit? Has this audit team already been assembled? No, it has not. Uh, We now have to recruit and retain the members of the team. There will be a number of them is my expectation. I don't think you can expect three people to do 100 of these uh, certainly not get it done within a reasonable period of time. Yeah. And that's going to cost some money. And the governor, whether it's uh, Governor Hogan or his successor, is going to have to uh, put money in the budget to get it done. Maryland's Attorney General Brian Frosch, thank you so much for coming on the show to kind of explain this whole process and why it's important. Great to be with you. Thanks a lot. And after the break, remembering one of D.C.'s most famous escape artists who is read had a really cute face and a long striped tail, Rusty the Red Panda. 
Backed by the experience of its hardworking members, Steamfitters Local 602 is ready to take on your next commercial heating, cooling, HVAC, or refrigeration project. Steamfitters Local 602 adds value to our community through its partnerships with local contractors and building owners, all while keeping the focus on improving the lives of its members and their families throughout the DMV. For work that's on time and on budget, go to steamfitters-602.org to schedule your next project. That's steamfitters-602.org. Steamfitters Local 602, changing lives. I'm Paul Wagner. Join me as I dig deep into the mysterious case of the Potomac River Rapist. Listen to Unknown Subject, Season 3 of WTOP's award-winning American Nightmare podcast series, available now wherever you get your podcasts. And before we go, there's some sad news we have to share. Yes, R.I.P. Rusty the Red Panda. Rusty the Red Panda, if you guys don't know, was a legend in this community. Took the nation's capital attention. <laughs> yeah, okay, so back in 2013, it was in the summer. It was uh, June 23rd, to be exact. The zoo basically loses a panda. Rusty escapes. No, let's give credit no, where credit Rusty, is due. Rusty the Red Panda escapes. He did, but for but okay, so this happened, this was a Sunday, and then they, the last time anybody saw him was like at 6 p.m. when they fed him and they closed up the zoo, right? Mm. The next morning they come in and the zoo tweets. I remember this because we see the tweet and it's like, we don't know where Rusty the Red Panda is. Unreal. It's possible someone took him. It's possible he escaped, but it was this like mystery. He's gone. He's gone. Yeah. And everyone was like, wait, what? And everybody started coming up with memes as they do <laughs> on Twitter. People, Pandemonium, that was my favorite one. Oh my one. God, there were all, all of these different, um, exactly, all these different like creative headlines. And one Twitter account was created for Rusty the Panda at the time. And, and it was like tweeting as Rusty on the lamb. <laughs> and he was like, I've been furloughed. Are there any openings <laughs> at Foggy Bottom Bubbles so I can get like a, a die job so That's I can, funny. you know, escape? Um, anyway, so eventually people, I mean, people were out looking for him. Yeah. It was like a thing. It took over DC for a day. It was a very funny thing. Anyway, he was an 11 month old little panda that actually looks more like a fox Mm. or kind of like a, um, it's about like raccoon size. Yes. But it's red. Yep. And has like a striped tail. So anyway, around 2.30, the zoo says we found him. Where'd they find him? Some woman in Adams Morgan. Oh wow! Tweeted a photo of him and it was like, "Hey, I think this is the the panda in my tree." And it turns out, I, I mean, they don't know exactly what happened because he was missing for that long. But yeah. he was like hanging out in the jumping tree to tree, jumping tree to tree, hanging out in the uh, yeah in the treescape over Calorama. Wow! Made his way down to Adams Morgan to at the time have a drink at Madam's Organ. <laughs> that's some territory to cross. I mean, that that's that that's insane. I know. And and so they finally found him and, and the next day the express, if you guys remember the um like the metro paper that they would hand out RIP to the express by the way. Um they had a great front page. It was like two photos side by side and one was Edward Snowden, <laughs> which gives you an you know idea of what was going on at the time. Totally. And the other is Rusty the Red Panda and under Snowden it says lost and under the panda, it says found. Wow. And people like made t-shirts. I believe it. I mean, it was a thing. Totally. So anyway, poor Rusty has passed away unexpectedly at the Pueblo Zoo in Colorado. We don't know more than that, mm. but, you know, he lived a very consequential life. A legend. Yeah. A legend. And it hits on this fact that sometimes in D.C. there's these silly stories that take over and it's kind of just like a breath of fresh air. You know? Totally. No one was hurt. There was no policy involved. Right. Just a silly <laughs> escape of a red panda. We'll put some pictures up on social media for you guys. You can check it out if you haven't heard of the story before. It's a good one. 
Um, and that'll do it for us today on the DMV Download. We are sponsored by Steamfitters Local 602. Our managing editor is Craig Schwab, and our music is by Real World. Give us a review and rate our show if you get the chance and tell everyone you know about this awesome show. You can find out more about this podcast on our social media handles and on dmvdownload.com where you can become a VIP listener. The DMV Download is a product of WTOP News. Listen on 103.5 FM in D.C., 107.7 FM in Virginia, 103.9 FM in Frederick, online at wtop.com and on the WTOP News app. Have a good night.